Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It's good to have Haley with us, Haley Hereford. She is a, she's a tremendous friend of, of Lakin and our family. They, they've been Bible quiz buddies since they were about this, about that tall maybe, I don't know. All the way from Louisiana, would you welcome our guest here today? Praise God. We're blessed to have her staying at our home for a few days. She just barely missed the snow. I'm so sorry. But these people pray for it to go away. Don't you? Shame on you. My wife likes it. and I've got an eight-year-old. Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Man, I feel that tonight. Because He hath anointed me. Not just for me. Not just so I can feel this. But to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted preach deliverance to the captives and recovery is a very key word nowadays because all of our communities, our countries need recovery. Our, our states, how many know that's true? There's been a lot of abuse, a lot of hurt um, and uh, but the word is there nonetheless but it says and recovering of sight to the blind. Can, can I insert this as I just feel the Lord that we got a blind generation that needs to be able to see hope again. When the Lord is anointed, He said, we're going to open the eyes and people are going to see again. You know, hopelessness is when you can't see. Study hopelessness. Hopelessness is when you see no future. But when Jesus gets a hold of them, you know, I think I can live again. I think I've got a purpose. I think I've got a... Are you hearing my heart beat tonight? To set at liberty them that are bruised, hurt on the inside, bleeding on the inside to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Um, I'm going to preach to us and talk to us and give us some vision and direction tonight. At your seat, there's a card. Would you pick that up and hold that? This is our vision for the church. We don't have a theme for 2021. We've been two years and talking about reach. And I'm glad we didn't choose 2020 vision. Because I think everybody that did got hit right in the forehead. Because nobody saw it coming. Our vision for this church and what we do is restoring people to a greater purpose. That's our vision is that all of us or will be a part of restoring people, restoring people to a greater purpose. Would you say that with me today? Restoring people to a greater purpose. You may be seated.
An old song says, Satan led my soul astray from the straight and narrow way. But to Jesus I did pray. He heard my prayer and he rescued me. And now I'm free this very day. The purpose of Jesus Christ was not to appease religious society. He actually declared his purpose when he stepped out of Zacchaeus' house, who was a thief, a tax collector of his own people, running up the percentages, padding his own pockets, a thief of the Jews. Zacchaeus climbed a Two of you. Anybody else grow up in Sunday school? Zacchaeus climbed up a, and a wee little man was he? He climbed up a sycamore tree. Why? So he could see Jesus. Don't ever underestimate what sinners are thinking because the pleasure of sin is only for a season. When they're done with that, they're miserable. And they're looking for something or someone that can get them out of all of that guilt, emptiness and loneliness that they have. And he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus came to where he was. He said, Zacchaeus, today I am going to your house. When he goes there, he goes inside. The crowd that followed him murmured and complained because Jesus is in the house of a sinner. But Jesus came out that day and let it be our declaration as well. But Jesus walked out on his porch that day and he stood out to the murmuring, grumbling, complaining crowd and he said to them, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Could I tell you, it should be our mission is to seek and to save the lost. That should be our purpose. That should... Listen, I know we're all tired, but we ought to respond better to that than what we're responding right now. That's what God has called us to do is to reach lost people. That is our mission. I, I believe it was I believe it was John Maxwell that told the story and and uh, he said that he and his brother decided to go on their annual fishing trip together and they went and uh, to the cabin by the lake and uh, they're there and said when they get there the, the, the rain came to the lake and on the first day they couldn't fish because it was pouring the rain and so they were in the cabin and but they were just glad to be together so they had fun they had good food and played board games and the games were fun and, and said you know what no fishing but it was a good day so the next day it was still pouring the rain and there was still no fishing and the next day the food wasn't as good the fellowship wasn't as good, but they were together. On the third day, it's still uh, raining there and they couldn't fish. And on the third day, the food was terrible and the fellowship was awful. They were fighting. He said, the moral of the story is if you're not fishing, you're fighting. Could I say to the church, the day that the church stops fishing is the day the church starts fighting.
Listen, I have taught it for many years. God, God in his wisdom. When you talk about the blessing of God, it is never a blessing of just enough. The blessing of God always comes in with more than what you need. My cup. Oh, how many believe that? If you bring your tithe into the storehouse, he will open the, not a window, but plural, windows of heaven and will pour a blessing on you that you cannot contain. The reason is, and the principle is, is that when God does something for you, he always does something that's going to come to you and through you for someone else. He told Timothy, he said, he said, the word will not only save you, but it's going to save those that hear you. And I come to tell you, God didn't intend for this church just to be blessed. He intended for this church to bless the community that it's in. He wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be a blessing. He wants your home to be a blessing to others. Somebody shout, we are a blessing to our community. And that is the wisdom and the plan of God's blessing. You've got to believe it. And I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, let me see what pastor's preaching. I want you to do that. God, let me see it. Let me embrace that God's blessing is not just for me. It's to bless someone else as well. Hallelujah. 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 When I was, when I was an evangelist and uh, I evangelized for seven years, preaching probably, uh, I guess, 40 some churches a year. And I remember I loved evangelizing, loved going to the churches. But I remember one day with sitting in uh, Mississippi with but the Gary Hodum, Pastor Gary Hodum, tremendous man of God and one of the best Bible teachers that stayed in his home. It was a blessing to me. He, he is amazing. One of the most precious men of God I've ever met in my life with Nehemiah. And uh, he turned around one day and he made a statement to me. Do you know where David got his mighty men? I said, I don't. And he said, well, David was in the cave of Adullam. And, and uh, he said when David was running from Saul, he ended up in the cave of Adullam. And it was there that 400 men gathered unto him. And in David's low moment, these men that were in distress, in debt, and discontented asked David to be their leader. Because David was anointed. See, the anointing will go with you even in the low places. It's the anointing that makes all the difference in the world. Jesus talked about this. He said, he said, I, I, it's not the, it's not the well that need a physician, but the sick. There's a little bit of a scattered feeling here. Can, maybe I need permission. Can I have your permission to preach to you the way I feel? I, I think, I think if we're not careful that we will, we will allow COVID-19 to restrict our praise and our response in church. You can see we've spread this out very safe tonight, but let's not let, let down on what God wants us to do in the house of God. We've come to praise him, as the song says. How many believe we need to respond to his word tonight? God wants to do something in us. Let's, let's operate together. Let's have an amen in this room. Would you do that? How many want me to preach what God's given me to preach to you? Somebody shout amen. And so, and so, David, David in that anointing and the Lord in his anointing, the low places, God, God, you, you find that he, he was in this place, this dark place. Jesus talked about the anointing and that he went to who? The poor. He went to the blind. He went to the bruised. He went to the hurting, those that need recovery. 
those that need deliverance. And, and you'll find that David in his life found himself in a place that it seemed like he was rejected. It's hard for people that have never been rejected to help people that have been rejected. And I'm just going to tell you, sometimes God allows you to go through things so you can help people that are going through things. Even God will allow a Judas in your life to get the Judas out of you. He'll allow a betrayal. He'll allow things in your life. God will never tempt you, but he will allow you to be tested to, to better you. The Bible says it's like gold tried in the fire. And you're going to go through things. And I'm pastoring people that have been through things. Listen, God can take the mistake you made, the sin you committed, the things you did wrong. You come to the altar and say, I'm, I'm a mess. I, I messed things up. I've done terrible things. God, I'm asking for forgiveness. And he forgives you. Then he restores you and he heals you and he turns you around and he helps you. He gets you to help people that have done stuff like you had. He allows you to gain wisdom from your failure. It's interesting because they tell me that there's a group that's trying to redefine the word failure. Because failure in our mind is a negative connotation, but you, I, I, I'm, I have a degree in civil engineering and structural design, and you'll learn that every, every engineering equation has been based and developed on failure. We have buildings that reach to the clouds because of a beam that broke one day. You have bridges that span from mountaintop to mountaintop that are strong and dependable because somewhere there was a failure in the past that they learned to make it better. Failure actually is what leads us to strength. And when God saved you and he forgave you, my wife said it's so beautiful. I've never heard it this way before. She said earlier this year in this church, she said the Lord spoke to her. She said when God restores a backslider or he restores a sinner, you, you know, in, in one way of thinking restoration is to take you back to its original, um, uh, your, your original form or the way it used to be. She said, it's not true. She said, because that original form, that original way broke, it failed. She said, when God restores you, she said, he's going to make you stronger than you used to be. I'm telling you, I feel that. I'm going into this year stronger than I came into 2020. Yes, I am. Come on, can I get a witness from somebody? I've had some failures. I've done some things wrong, but I'm coming out stronger than I've ever been. So strong, so strong that I'm going to become the priest to somebody. Priest in its original uh, wording actually means a bridge. The Bible says that we're, he's made us kings and priests unto God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a chosen generation. For right now, let's not miss this. God has chosen you for one of the most dangerous spiritual times in human history. Perilous times. But God has made you. He could have let you have your ministry back in the 40s, but he chose you to be here now. Because he entrusts you. Man, I feel like preaching. He entrusts the church. He, it, it, it is the hope of the world. You remove the church, you remove all hope from society. You remove it. The church is a living organism that God has set down in a dark world to be the light and the beacon and direction. God trusts his church. God trusts you. He's not, he's not worried about your mistake or your failure. He went to the cross to take care of everything that you've ever done to make you better than you've ever been. That's what Calvary's all about. 
that's what it's about. I'm coming out better. He's going to make you better. Oh, Brother Nehemiah, you're going to McConnellsville. There's going to be people come in there. They don't even know how to spell Jesus. They're going to come there. They don't even know how to talk. They've never heard of the blessing and forgiveness and mercy and grace. It won't be long. They're going to be preaching Jesus. They're going to be talking Jesus. They're going to be testifying Jesus. Amen. I think it's amazing that we have inmates that have come to the church and converted. And now they go back into the jail and they let them out. Praise God. They go back into the jail and they start preaching to inmates. You know why? Because they walked back in there and they said, you know what? God didn't take me back to where I was. I'm better than I've ever been. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. You're coming out on fire. You're coming out with a word. You're coming out with a plan. You're coming out with purpose. I've been preaching about Samson for three days. You may be seated. Listen to this. Listen to this moment. Samson in his fallen state was deceived, deceived by Delilah. I, I compare that to culture and he failed through pleasure, for, through enticement. And, uh, but in his failure, in the moment, he had experienced some things that would later be the destructive plan for the Philistines. Because in his backslidden state, he knew where the pillars were. He knew what, how to take the, the enemy's camp down. He learned some things, being some places that he had never, he wasn't supposed to be, but that's the mercy of God. See, some saints don't understand. They've never had dope on their breath. They've never had fentanyl on their veins. They've never had tasted alcohol. They've never, they've never been down that road. And I'm not saying they can't minister to those people, but there are some people that have learned some things out of the world of sin. And when they come to God and they pray one more time and God heals them, that all of a sudden Samson said, take me to the pillars. I know how to take this stuff down. I know how to change this. And you know what? And God anointed him to press the pillars out and a break. And he had a greater victory in his end than he did in his entire life. What I'm saying to you is that's restoration. Is when you come in, you're going to have a knowledge of what the world is like. Then you can go back to the world and say, let me tear Satan's kingdom down. I'm, I'm going to be the worst threat. I'm going to be the worst threat. How many believe this today? Amen, amen, amen. Let me, let me give you an example, and I, 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 don't, I don't ever do this to embarrass them or bring up their past, but, but Brother Gene, stand up. 30 cars a night he used to rob. He, 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 he was a, a, a drug addict for many, many years. 30 years, is that, is that a good estimate, Brother Gene? And, when, and 30 years, and, and there was no way. I mean, he was a, he was a felon. Uh, his future was dark, uh, separated from family. It was a chaotic mess. Only thing he could think was in hopelessness, blind, by the way, could not see a future. But then, was it your brother Randy that said, won't you come back to church, Gene? And he came to the house of God, if I remember right. And you said, Lord, I don't have anything to offer somewhere right here, wasn't it? February the 8th, 2004. And said, Lord, I don't have anything to give you but a bunch of broken pieces. And the Lord said, that's good enough. Just give me what you have. And here a little, and there a little, 
and day by day and week by week and month by month. Brother Gene was faithful to the house of God. He ended up having the key to every door in the church and God entrusted you with a ministry. I'll never forget going into town and somebody was talking about uh, this event they went to and they said, man, I'm, they didn't even know they were from my church, but you know how good I felt when I heard somebody on a board in town talking about, they were saying, you should have, y'all told the whole board, you should have been there. Just stand up, Brother Gene, because I'm the only one standing. I need help. Peter's standing up with the 11. Amen. This is biblical. But they said, you all should have been there. Said there was such a powerful meeting. Said these three men came and gave their testimonies of how they were this and this and this. And they said it was so motivating to see how there, there's hope that people can change and that. You know what it was? It was Gene, it was Alex Lefevre, and Noe Berrientos. All from the anchor. Amen. Because we at the anchor, because we love God and have been loved by God, it causes us to love people that do not know God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And we don't care where you've been. We don't care what you've done. We don't care what you've experienced. We know where you can be. We know where you can go. God's got a better plan for your life. Amen. Somebody shout, my life is not over yet. Brother Gene, do you remember? You can be seated, except Brother Gene. They got a hold of Brother Gene and they, they would use him all over our community. He goes to the jails and, and uh, uh, runs, runs the Axe program and has done an amazing job. But they, would, they came to him and said, we want to expunge your record. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. He will blot out. He's going to clean the slate. Man, I, I, I wish I had a rag or something. I don't, I don't know. I got to get messy here. He gets on that eraser board. He's erasing everything that you've ever done. Every mistake you've ever made. He's going to blot out every transgression. He's going to blot out every sin. You're going to, though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they were red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I'm telling you, God said, I'm going to raise you up as if you never made a mistake because I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. Hallelujah. I'm going to use you. I'm not just going to save you. I'm going to use you to do wonderful things. He could run for mayor if he wanted to. It's been wiped clean. Restoration is not just about, not, is not just about becoming rapture ready. It's about having a purpose. To do what? Help people. He didn't anoint me just so I could smell the fragrance of a move of God. But it's purposed to open, to take it to the poor. To bring recovery, sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Everybody say bleeding on the inside. I wish something would happen tonight. I asked God to let there be a revelation and a burden for souls. I said, oh God, let it happen tonight. I wonder what would happen when we went to the restaurant. We went with purpose. Instead of worried about how, how, how perfect our food's going to be, we start wondering about the imperfection of the waiter that's going to be at our table that's been seeking God and needs what we have. I do believe that God is raising us up to send us out to make a difference in our world. Do you believe that? 
I'm sorry, Brother Gene, I forgot about you. He's been good to you, hasn't he? How many years has it been? Almost 17 and fair. Clean. Go ahead, Brother Gene. We rejoice with you. That's what, that's what we are about. This is what we are about. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Restored for a greater purpose. Now his life and his ministry, he works in restoring people's lives. And he, he has people that are signed. He's hired to do this now, but they, they are assigned to his life to teach them recovery and hope. Sister Cammie, saying, Brother Gene, you may be seated. They, they oversee our second chance ministers now. Sister Cammie, would you stand? She, she was a convert at our daughter campus in Crooksville. I'll never forget, she came to me and said, Pastor, I want to go to this... Um, it was, it was um, surrendering the secret. She said, I'd like to go to this thing about helping people that have had abortions. What she didn't confess at the moment later is that she'd had an abortion when she was 17. Hurting inside. And she made this statement that she learned. She said, you can be forgiven but not healed. Don't know how to get over the past. Don't know how to get over the things I've done. And she started this ministry in our church that's so powerful uh, called Surrendering the Secret. Because she's not, God didn't restore just to be a saint on a seat. Are y'all getting this tonight? And it's amazing is that as soon as she got her certification, that the first place to ask her to come was in Florida. And listen, out of all the states, a pastor called and said, I, I, I would like to meet, have Cammie to come down and talk to her church about abortion recovery. You know what? That's the state where she had the abortion at. Because when God restores, listen, I'm going to tell you what God's going to do. He's going to send you back. He's bringing you out to send you back, to pull people out of where you came from. That's what he wants to do. But he's waiting on you to start realizing, I don't want to just be saved. I want to restore people to a greater purpose. I don't want just to be a church attendee and pay my tithes and wait on the rapture. I want to bring somebody out. I want to bring somebody with me. I want you to lift your hands all over this room. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. I pray for a burden. Pray for a moving of your spirit. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to help somebody today. I want to help somebody today in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I want you to get that card in your hand. Our vision is to do what we feel like God has called us to do. That is restore people. I want everybody to say restoring people. They asked someone one time that was working at the Space Center in Texas. The president walked in and asked the man that was cleaning the restroom. He said, uh, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting a man on the moon. Because the mission was that strong. That everybody working was working toward the same goal. And that was to put a man on the moon. Listen at the anchor. What are we doing? If we're raking the leaves and we're holding babies in the nursery and we're teaching Sunday school class and 
We're working in youth ministry. And we're working with Bible quizzing. We're singing in the choir. We're working on the praise team and uh, we're preaching. What are we doing? We're restoring people to a greater purpose. That's what we do. I want everybody to say we're restoring people. Somebody ask you what you're doing. You're not cleaning the restroom. You're restoring people. Everybody shout, we're restoring people. We've got to believe this. You've got to get it in your spirit. I know I'm being redundant tonight, but that's how we're going to get it, is we're going to restore people. That's what God has called this church to do, is to restore people. Drug addicts, alcoholics, AIDS victims, divorce recovery, grief recovery, debt recovery, jail recovery. I'm talking about anybody from any lifestyle can come to this church and find a hope again. Why? Because we believe it. I'm going to ask you, do you believe that God can restore people? Is there a witness in the building that believes God has restored you? It'd be a great time to praise him. It'd be a great time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, when they come to church, you know, you know, uh, and, and when they come to the house of God, when they get here, you're going to find that there is going to be a path for them and turn to Luke 10 chapter 30. Uh, man, you know what? It's so early. We've got till midnight. I can preach for a long time tonight. I thought you'd laugh, but you got scared. I can see, I can see one of the wives with their arms around her husband said, you didn't tell me he's going to preach till midnight. Quench not the spirit. Amen. Quench not the preacher. I'm not going to preach to midnight. I'm, I promise. But I do have a few more minutes I need to take. Thank you, Brother Kevin. Brother Xcardo on Sunday said, let it burn. That was whatever you're cooking at home. He said, let it burn. Anybody's house burned down because I preached a little longer Sunday? You're going to be all right tonight. Thank you, Brother Xcardo. I got two with me. I have anybody else with me for a few more minutes tonight. Is that all right? Somebody online just now said, I don't care. I got my cup of coffee right here. I've got some cookies. I'm in my PJs. Verse 30, in Jesus, Luke 10, Jesus answering, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. <laughs> he was going the wrong way. And there's always a thief waiting on somebody going the wrong direction. The way of the transgressor is hard. There's, there's, there's no ifs about it. It's a win. When you leave God, it's going to be hard. It might be fun for a little bit of time, but it's going to end up rough, marred. Proverbs 7 says, knowing not that her path is the way to hell. She's cast down many wounded. Many strong men have been slain by her. Listen to this preacher. Sin is a hard life. It's so rough that God himself come to give his life to save people from it. Sin is destructive. It's evil. It's not a respecter of persons. You're not going to be an exception to the rule. It'll destroy your mind, your heart, your love. It'll separate you from family, values, and things that really matter. Sin is not a respect of persons because when you walk away from God, sin always lieth at the door. 
It's a thief that's going to rob everything from you that God put in you to be valuable. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the truth. Stay away from sin because you end up among thieves which stripped him. Sin will eventually strip you of the things that, that comforted you and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Let me stay here for a minute. I can't tell you how many people returned to God, but when they came in, they came in wounded. They came in broken. They came in dirty. They came in regretful. They came in shamed. They came in with a loss. They came in with emptiness. Can I get a witness from some backslider that when you came back, you were broken. You were regret. Come on, am I preaching to any real people? We got a whole church full of people have been restored. I mean, no, I'm telling you the truth. Sin will leave you wounded. It'll leave you broken. It'll leave you shamed. Robbed. And left for dead. It's amazing. The devil usually doesn't kill. He just leaves you almost dead. He doesn't finish you. He just brings you to a place to shame you. Naked. Exposed. With nothing, nothing to give. They brought the adulterous woman to Jesus. Some believe that she would have been unclothed, even brought into the temple, shaming her, doing everything everything they could to condemn her and to have him to approve the murdering of her. But Jesus, in his wisdom, he that is without sin, he that's lived a perfect life, go ahead and cast the first stone. You know what makes the church powerful is when we come in here and there's no stones in the building. Come on now. No stones in the building. We got to get the stones out of the building. We don't care how many tattoos you have. We don't care how many years you've been out of the church. We don't care what lifestyle you chose to live. When you come to this place, there's a Jesus that's going to say, where are your accusers? Get up and sin no more. There's another chance for you. There's another plan for your life. There's another plan. It's not over yet. Somebody shout, it's not over. Shout it again. It's not over. Hallelujah. Amen. When they cast her at the feet of Jesus, they cast her at the feet of mercy. Can I tell you, he wasn't only the lamb. Man, I feel like preaching right now. When you get to the tabernacle, he wasn't only the high priest. He was also the lamb. He wasn't only the lamb. He was the ark of the covenant. He wasn't only the law. He was also the bread of life. Come on now. I'm going to tell you, he was also Aaron's rod that budded. But you listen to this preacher. He was the mercy seat. He was everything there was in the tabernacle. He's the mercy seat. He's the mercy. I wish you'd stand and help me just for a minute and say, he is the mercy seat. He's the mercy seat. Remain standing. He's the mercy seat. I say every service we have, we ought to reach for the mercy of God and a move of God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you're going to bring them and God's going to heal them. I said, you are going to bring them and God is going to heal them. He said in Luke 10, remain standing. Makes me feel like I'm closing. departed, leaving him half dead. The devil will leave you stranded. But by chance, they're coming down. I'm not even going to talk about the priest. I'm not even going to talk about the Levite. 
They had pedigree. They had position. But they didn't have compassion. They didn't care. But a certain Samaritan, verse 33. As he journeyed. One thing I love about this church, because this church is on a journey. We're not just taking up space. We've got a purpose. We're going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. That's why we're growing in the midst of a pandemic. That's why we can baptize people at a, at a Christmas cantata. That's why when, you know, people are actually sentenced to this church. And we've been very strategic that when we're in person, we have an ox class at 6 p.m. because we got church at 7. We get them in the building. Talk to them about love and mercy of God. So when they're dismissed and they're leaning, they hear the music start up and the, pray, and the saints are all out in the foyer. And they feel the love of God and the mercy of God. We don't care where they've been. We're just glad they're here. Alcoholics and drug addicts and prostitutes. And he was a friend of sinners. What's going to happen? We're going to be outnumbered. There are going to be more, more guests in the building than there are going to be saints. So we have to adjust to multiple services. And we got to work through the paradigm shift of disconnected and not the way it was. And I don't get to see everybody on one service like I used to. And, but it's okay. We're making room for hospital hope. Making room for people to come in and be saved. To be delivered. Prostitutes becoming Sunday school teachers. Drug dealers becoming preachers. Because we're restoring people for a greater purpose. Somebody shout amen. I'll continue this Sunday, but... The Bible says, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. We must go to them. Everybody turn around, look at the door. Quit just waiting on them to come. They're shamed. They're alone. They've been left. We've got to go to where they are. I want you to stretch your hands toward the door and say, God, lead me to the hurting. Lead me to the broken. Lead me. Let my life count for something. I don't want my mercy, my grace, my forgiveness to be in vain, my testimony. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. God, let me make a difference in somebody. I'm going to see the victory. Hallelujah. There's another G. There's another Cammy. But you've got to go to them. Somebody say in Jesus' name. The Bible says, and a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. You see that? And bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Honey, I remember that time in Beckley, West Virginia that a man was beside the road and he was wounded. 
You and I stopped and I jumped out and I was trying to help him up and I got blood on my shirt. Ended up leaving my, my shirt with him. Lakin, do you remember where's Lakin at? You remember that time we, was, we were coming down Pine Street and there was a man laying over his car. You remember that? You're 12, I think. We pulled in and he was literally dying in my arms. He had overdosed there and we were calling the cops and I was holding him up, I'm holding his mouth up so he could try to get a breath, at least one, one breath a minute. And they got there, his blood pressure was 20 over, I think it was 20 over 10. He was dying because they ain't never heard about Jesus. Broken, suicidal, scars on their arms, students in our schools that need somebody praying for them. We've got to have a praying church. We've got to turn off our devices until we can get a prayer life. You hear, Pastor? I said, we got to turn off our media until we can get a prayer life. I know it's quiet in here, but we're going to have to, we're going to, I'm going to call someone to fast in one week. A media fast. But I believe we got to get back to good old-fashioned prayer. I don't know why it's quiet in here, but we got to get back to prayer, Brother Nehemiah. And I felt this before. I felt this before because Jesus was a good Samaritan. I believe that. That was sort of the, the, the parallel. But I'm, we, we've taught excellence here. I believe in education. My wife and I both have degrees. I, I, we, we've taught that since we've been youth pastors is you become your best. You become career-minded. You, you get some type of certification. Do that. We believe in the spirit of excellence. We believe in that uh, to go to the next level of ministry and all of that. But let me tell you something well, that we cannot substitute. We cannot substitute a move of God. Are y'all hearing me tonight? We can't substitute. I appreciate excellent music, musicians. I appreciate you getting better, but we cannot substitute a move of God with just good stuff, with decor. We, we need excellent praise and worship. We need excellent preaching, but we need a move of God. That's what we need more than ever before. And you can't have a move of God without an altar. That good Samaritan had some oil with him. We've got to have the oil, but you do not have oil if you do not have an altar. A five-minute prayer meeting is not bringing the oil. It's going to take fasting and prayer. How many believe that? Brother Gio, do you believe that? Somebody shout, we need the oil. It's going to be the oil of gladness, the oil of healing. Those watching online, I want you to pray with pastor tonight as well. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. Everybody shout the church. church. Brought him to an inn and took, took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host and said to them, take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now these three, thank us. And it goes on and talks about your neighbor and forgiveness. But let me tell you what he's saying. He said, I'm going to bring people to the inn. I'm bringing people to the church. And it's your job to take care of them. They're coming in shamed. They're coming in wounded. They're coming in broken. They're coming in robbed. But I'm going to bring them to a place that I can trust wounded people with. Can I ask you a question? Can God trust us with wounded people? Can he trust us with backsliders? People that have failed God. Or we're going to be like the priest and the Levite. 
that lifted that egotistical snotty nose up in the air and said, I'm glad I'm not like them. God forbid we ever get there. I'm going to tell you, over my dead body, because God has called us to restore people. He's called it. Come on, aren't you glad God restored you? I want you to lift your hand all over this building. 2021 is going to be a year where my ministry comes to fruition. Over the next three months, I'm going to learn some things through the teaching and the training of first steps. Love, grow and go. God's going to send me to hurting people. And I'm going to lead them to the end. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, help me to have your love to grow and to go. Come on, Sunday school teachers. You've got to have an excellent class for your children, but you've got to have an altar so you'll have an oil in there when they come in. Come on, youth ministry workers. You've got to have oil with you. You've got to have a move of God. Hallelujah. Be seated all over the building. We're going to pray sitting down. I want you to lift your hands from your seats and I want you to start loving God right now. Call me. Come on, you don't have to stand and feel God. I want to be used this year. <laughs> I want to do something God again. I want to reach the fatherless and the widow. I want to reach the broken and the hurting. Come on, everybody in the room, I want you to make a covenant. 2021 is going to be a year of restoring people as it will be for the next 10 years we're going to do it. That's what you've called us to do. People from every walk of life, every lifestyle, every ethnicity, every age we're going to restore for you who are spiritual. Come on, there's a call of God coming out right now. You're going to reach people that's not like you. You're going to reach people that have been where you've been. God's calling you to be anointed. To do something spectacular. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there's going to be some wounded saints, bruised saints of God that he's going to heal. Missionaries, preachers fallen. Elders, they're going to be healed. Help me, God, this year. Come on, Crooksville that's watching online tonight. God, I'm going to reach somebody. I'm going to restore somebody. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the Holy Ghost is visiting us. Every person in the building. God, I don't want to waste one more week. I don't want to waste one more year. I'm getting back to the basics of prayer and fasting. <laughs> Come on, somebody cry out for the lost. Somebody intercede for the hurting. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need the oil. I need the oil. I need the anointing.
opening or their eyes will never open. I need more than education. I need more than certification. I need the oil. Come on, all you counselors in the building. You need more than literature. You need more than medication. You need the oil of God to heal the bruised, to bring recovery to those that are in darkness. You need the oil. You need fasting and prayer. On, the world needs a church that has oil in it, the anointing of God, the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.